Every so often, Congress decides to tackle health care legislation. In the 1990s, it was the Children's Health Insurance Program. In the early 2000s, it was the Medicare Prescription Drug Benefit. And in 2009 and 2010, it was Obamacare and the debate that has been resonating in politics ever since. Now Congress has decided to go back to the health care table. And here we are. This is the Big Story Podcast by CQ Roll Call. Joining me is Bridget Bowman, our senior politics reporter at CQ Roll Call. Bridget, welcome. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about, I mean, obviously, this has been the focus of a lot of debate ever since the law, you know, the, ever since Obamacare was being debated and then signed into law. But let's just talk about the more recent history now. Last week, we had this sort of little drama as, as House Republicans began to zero in on the legislation that they were going to release. What happened last week as they were showing drafted legislation to some of their members. So last week you saw some of the top chairmen of the House committees come over to the Senate and explain verbally what they were thinking of doing. Senators said they were not shown text of anything. They were not given anything on paper. And that has that really irked Senator Rand Paul, a Republican from Kentucky. And he accused House Republicans of drafting their plan behind closed doors. He kind of made a show of going over to the House side, bringing over his own copier and printer and saying he wanted a copy of the bill. He wanted a copy for the American people and kind of brought the copier around. And that just really angered some conservatives who said, we're doing what Democrats did and crafting this bill behind closed doors. And that's not how we want the process to work. Um, But they worked through the weekend and uh, dropped their bill on Monday night. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so and, and on, so on Monday night, I mean, the, the, there, there was an expectation that we would see a copy of the bill at some point. But then all of a sudden mm-hmm. at 6 o'clock, it was just this sort of drama like, here it is. Yes. And one of, one of the chief sort of complaints that kept on coming up again and again throughout the Obamacare debate is that it was a thou, you know, multi-thousand, like 2,700-page bill, and, and it was very complicated, and you couldn't go through it. And so let's talk about some of the particulars there. It's not, a, it's not very big, is it? Right. It's pretty small. It's a little over 100 pages or so. And that's something you hear Republicans talking about, too. Senator Barrasso from Wyoming brought this up yesterday, saying this is easy to, to go through, and everyone can read the bill. The timing of the drop was interesting because the Senate had just come back and they started to vote. So senators didn't have time to read it. And we were trying to gauge reaction and and see what they thought. And so the House wasn't even in yet. Right. The House wasn't even in yet. And so uh, they kind of we got a lot of I still haven't read it yet. And they're still digesting it now. So. Yeah. We're and and this is, it. yeah, we're talking about it roughly 100, 150 pages. Mm-hmm. And there's also a reason that this is a f- relatively small bill, and it has something to do with the way that they want to proceed through the what's called the budget reconciliation process. Let's talk about that and what sort of some of the limitations and why it might be so small. Right. So the way that they are moving forward through, as you mentioned, the budget reconciliation process is kind of a wonky procedure, and it allows legislation to move through the Senate more quickly. So you don't need 60 votes to end debate. You just need a majority. So Republicans can do this on their own without the help of Democrats. Uh, But that also provides some constraints. So the Senate in particular has some more stringent rules. Anything in this budget reconciliation uh, bill has to affect the budget in some way. Right. And so it 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 prevents extraneous measures from being attached to this bill. So they had to work around these rules to try and craft it. And so that, like you mentioned, that might be why it's so small, is that it needs to kind of 
be worded and be crafted in a way that applies to that role. Right. Generally, the budget reconciliation process, you have to make sure that it, it affects taxes and spending mm-hmm. and has some sort of effect on the deficit and, and so forth. And it's a bit of a misnomer to actually call this just a repeal and replace bill because there are a lot of elements of the Obamacare, of, of the 2010 health care law that actually won't be affected, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You've seen a lot of conservative groups come out against this, and a lot of conservative members are very wary about this, saying it doesn't fully repeal the Affordable Care Act, and that's what we've promised American the American people for years. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that moves forward and how leaders try and get those members on board who they'll need to actually pass this through both chambers. It seems like one of the issues is that, I mean, for for a long time, I mean, during the health care debates right after Bill Clinton was elected in 1992 and and took office in 1993, was that basically Obamacare became the was was developed, you know, partially by the Heritage Foundation and Mm -hmm. conservative Republicans. This was the alternative to Hillary care. If you will, in in the early 2000s, and so as it evolved, Mitt Romney adopted it in Massachusetts, and that's what that was the model that, Ob- that President Obama used was you know was Romney Care. Romney was actually criticized by uh, fellow candidates for the presidential nomination in the 2012 race as just saying that you know he how can he be trusted to dismantle Obamacare when he basically helped you know pave the way for it, and so this this is a version. I, I was struck by you know the, a, a number of conservative Republicans like Paul. Ryan and just saying, this is what conservative health care looks like. But one of the issues it seems to be is that it can't quite go so far to the right without losing some of those moderate Republicans. Yes. And that's the really tough balance that they have to achieve, right? Is that they need those conservatives on board, but they also need the moderates who were concerned about some, how is the Medicaid expansion affected? What about funding for Planned Parenthood? And and that problem is sort of created by the fact that they, Republican leaders, have realized and acknowledged that they're not going to get any Democratic support on this. So they have to go it alone. And so how do you bring – do they have a math problem? Like right. how do you bring all of these if, members If you bring board? these four four conservatives, do you lose four moderates? Exactly. And particularly in the Senate where it's a 52-48 you know, balance of power. I mm-hmm. mean Republicans can really only lose two – Members, uh, they could get, do a 50-50 tie and, and Vice President Pence could provide the tiebreaker. But if they lose three, it's over. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Tuesday. Tuesday mm-hmm. was, was I mean, we, we've both spent a lot of time on Capitol Hill. Uh, how is this Tuesday different than any other Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's a, there's a little bit going on. Right. Um, uh, Tuesday was an interesting day because it was people had time to process the bill a little bit more. Uh, Republicans were being asked questions. What do you, especially those key kind of swing votes, what do you think of certain provisions? And there was a bit of a scrambling going on to explain the bill and, and also the process. So how is this going to move through Congress? Uh, Democrats and some Republicans were pushing back on the House uh, saying that they were going to move on markups before they figured out how much the bill was going to cost. So or how many people might lose insurance. How many might, exactly, right. how many might lose insurance. Um, Vice President Pence came to the Hill yesterday. That's not that unusual. He's been on the Hill quite a bit. However, this was kind of a different mission and in terms of trying to get everyone on the same page. He actually came out to the leader press conferences in the Senate um, and address which is rare. Pre- which right. is rare. He right. usually just kind of leaves after lunch um, with Republicans. And he came out and said, uh, The president uh, and I believe that, uh, uh, that the American Health Care Act 
is the framework for reform. We're certainly open to improvements and to recommendations in the in the legislative process, but but this is the bill. And and so right now we're still waiting for a cost estimate from the Congressional Budget Office. The committees are going through the process. So we're and we're looking ultimately at what when when do they want to pass this? Mm-hmm. So Senator McConnell had said that he wants to pass this before the April recess. So that lasts that's about a month away. Um, that last day is April 7th before they leave town. Uh, he said that he actually wants the Senate to vote the week before that because um, he wants to use that final week before recess to take up the Supreme Court nomination. So they have a pretty compressed timeline here. So it has to go through the House committees, pass the House, and then go to the Senate. And it sounds like Senator McConnell might just bring it straight to the Senate floor, though aides have said that hasn't been determined, but we'll have to see because it is a pretty quick timeline. So, Bridget, we're um, we're always in the political cycle, right? <laughs> we have 2018 midterms coming up. We have a lot of very key Senate races, particularly in states that Donald Trump won, uh, red states, and a lot of them are disproportionately dependent on Obamacare, where Medicaid has been expanded and people are able to get health care maybe for the first time in, in their, their entire lives. How is this playing out? What are you looking for as a political reporter uh, in, in the coming months as this health care debate plays out. So what I'm looking for is how those senators that represent and lawmakers that represent those states that you mentioned, how do they react to this plan? How do they try and sell it to their voters if they support it? What are they hearing from their voters, too? And we saw um, in the recent town halls that a lot of voters came and expressed concern about, are they going to lose their health care? What's going to happen? And now Republicans can go back and say, we have a plan now. Here's what it does. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how those specific lawmakers try and sell this or or if they don't, if they realize that this will be detrimental to their voters. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and, and just as two two people who just come to mind real quickly, I mean, in, in, in states that where they expanded Medicaid, Joe Manchin is a conservative Democrat mm-hmm. from West Virginia. Uh, he's got a tough race probably in 2018, depending on who his opponent is. Trump won his state by a gazillion points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a popular guy and a former governor, so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how he works on it. And then out in Nevada, which is, you know, this this very much a, a swing state that went all almost all blue uh, in, in the 2016 election, Dean Heller, a Republican, is up for re-election. And Brian Sandoval, the Republican governor of Nevada, Nevada uh, is really not that happy with this bill. I mean, he <laughs> wants to make sure that people don't lose their health insurance. So just just off the top of our heads, we've got two people right there. And that's, you know, that's not to mention the other 500 or so <laughs> members of Congress that are going to be grappling with this uh, uh, in a lot of detail in the coming weeks. Yeah, that's right. We'll be watching for sure. Thanks, Bridget. Thank you. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us on the Big Story Podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. <laughs>